Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today's episode is with Shifra Rabinowitz, who is a mental health counselor. And we unpack a lot of different areas of mental health, uh, women's health, maternal mental health, um, dealing with loss, pregnancy loss, stillbirths. And we also just talked a lot about her own journey to intuitive eating. And I know, I actually know Shifra from growing up and I know she was always, always, always a bookworm. And as you'll hear on the episode, she was saying that she was just kind of like doing her own research about how, you know, media affects women. And she just, that's how she came to find intuitive eating health at every size and all the, all the ways that society has told us, like, this is what a woman should do. And this is how a woman should feel. And this is how a woman should behave and how all of those, those things actually really negatively affect most women. Um, it was a really interesting conversation, lots of uh, layers of conversation. It's actually, I just was texting Shifra. I was like, hey, I'm listening to the episode before I put it out. And it's really, you have such an interesting life. And she's like, well, my life has just gotten more interesting. I've recently moved to Germany to do Kirov outreach with my husband. So she really, she really has a lot of cool things to share. Um, this episode was actually recorded in May. I will say that I'm always really looking for awesome, interesting people to interview. And I'm also always very careful with my interviews and what I put out. Um, sometimes I interview somebody and I'm not sure if I should put it out. Like, is that, did I, did I say, did, did I, or my guests potentially say something that was a little triggering or to diet culture and I know that some of my guests have different views on intuitive eating and that's totally fine. I don't only interview people who are 100% aligned with intuitive eating. Um, I think it's important to hear the, the nuance and the different perspectives people have, but at the same time, like I want this to be a safe space. So I just wanted you to know that I'm always trying to figure that out. And if there is something that triggers you, you could always reach out to me. If there's something that you thought needed a little bit more discussion or shedding some light or something that you felt was very validating, I would love to hear, please leave a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review it. That's how the podcast moves up in the rankings. Share it with somebody that you love. Um, the more downloads, the more people are able to get this information. Um, if you want to learn more about intuitive eating, go to my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. You can sign up for a free 20-minute consultation. We can meet each other, get to know each other, and see if um, intuitive eating is the right fit for you. I do take some insurances, Aetna, Cigna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Emblem Health, and United Healthcare only, the Empire Plan. Okay, enjoy the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs.
Hi, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, and today I have Shifra Rabinowitz. Hi, Shifra. Hi, Gila. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for joining us. Please tell the listeners, I like to say, where do you live and what do you do? So where do you, where do you live now? I live in Philadelphia, um, cool. and I'm a mental health counselor, and I work um, actually in New York, although remotely out of New York. Um, and I also work for a private practice in Philadelphia that specializes in maternal mental health. So miscarriages, stillbirth, infertility, uh, perinatal mood disorders like postpartum anxiety, depression, and psychosis. Wow, that's a lot of things. Um, so wait, you have you have two part-time jobs or one's full-time, one's part-time? I have one full-time job. I have um, one part-time job. I'm, I need to have a lot of balls in the air. Um, because like, I just really enjoy doing that. I'm also, um, in school, I'm working out full-time in school, getting my MBA. Wow. So just a lot of, a lot of things. Your MBA? Yes. Wow. And also sleep, sleep stuff or no? Yes. Um, a little, yes. Yeah, so I do like a little bit of like behavioral sleep coaching. Um, that's very much a side project with how people, um, who are dealing with insomnia be able to not deal with insomnia, really to give strategies and tools for um, and working with insomnia in a holistic and natural way. Very cool. Um, okay. So I'd also, I would also like to say that I'm a childhood friend of Gila Glassberg. Yes. I've been following her for a long time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So for, I'll just say that we know each other from Scranton. I'm from Scranton. You're from Wilkes-Barre. And our, my mom and your dad work together. And then we yeah. were all of a sudden, like 10 years later, we're in, or I don't know, 20 years later, we're in like a book club. And we know each other and I did not know your last name. So that was really funny. It's a small world. Um, it is a small world. Yeah. So, but it sounds like you're doing so many like amazing things. So tell us like, like, did you always want to be a mental health counselor? Like what was, how did that start? Um, totally not. I really fell into it out of um, lack of interest in like really trying to, I guess I would say like really laziness. That's really the word I'm looking for. Um, I think... <laughs> When I was in school, or when I was, you know, I, I got my undergrad degree in psychology, and I really enjoyed it. it. It felt very intuitive to me, but there wasn't like a thing I wanted to do. There wasn't like, here's a person I want to be like, or here's what I want to do. Um, so I applied to a few graduate schools, and I ended up going to one that was a five-minute drive from my house, which is why I say laziness, because it was like right there. And I was like, okay, I'll get a master's degree in mental health counseling. Um, and then like, I'll probably save the world in some way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as I got into it, um, you know, really it took, I went with, I was a couple years out of school and really working, I was working with, um, teens at risk teens working for project extreme. So doing a lot of work with survivors of trauma and addiction and really wow. just fell in love um, with the, with the work that I was doing. So wow. I do a lot of different things, but I also find that I keep coming back to, um, working with women across the lifespan who are lifespan, who are really, um, you know, looking for change, inspiration, motivation, and just really to become the best version of themselves. Well, so you're saying there's a parallel between like kids at risk and women lifestyle, women throughout so, their yeah, life. I mean, yeah. yeah, women throughout I their lifespan. People, right. Um, I'm a true of men also, but I just find that I gravitate more towards working working with women. Right. Um, yeah, I think that I find that that and all the things that I've done have a lot of different experiences it really comes back to helping people be the best version of themselves um so it's it's uh, yes i do a work a lot of work with adults uh, young like adolescents and young adults and adults wow 
Wow. Wow. That's a lot. And, and the like addiction training like that, that was like a, a specialty, like you had to go for more training for that or you just sort of. It was something that was something that I fell into. Now that I'm thinking about a lot of things I fell into or really was, was gifted um, opportunities. I think that I'm a person who looks for opportunities, looks for reasons to say yes to things rather than no. So I like do things that I like don't feel qualified for and then learn how to do them as I go. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was offered a job um, working in um, running a a shelter for young, for young adults for Project Extreme, which is based um, in Farakway and in the five towns. So I took on this job as in, as running the shelter and I thought it was going to be just a lot more administrative and it really was a lot of hands-on coaching and mentoring and working uh, one-on-one with uh, these women who were just really, really extraordinary population, wonderful people to work with. Um, And I just found that the more that I learned about addiction, it wasn't about addiction. It was really about um, understanding the person and just seeing a person really as they are and both as they are right this minute and as they're going to be in the future. Right, right. Right, I guess that's like the whole holistic approach also with sleeping, right? Like you, it's not just it's not just like one one thing is causing somebody not to sleep. It's like the whole, you have to know the whole person, the whole picture. Right, systems, yeah. Right. I think I, I like always wished there was like, just take a pill, just do like this one thing and boom, all your problems are solved. But I think that the more I see just how everything is in, interconnected and everything works in systems, just the more broader of a perspective that I need to take, which is right. something I'm grateful for, right? And then how did you get interested in women's health? Did that also just fall in your lap or? Um, no, not, I don't think so. I think when I was in high school, I started reading. I love to read and I read. Right. You always, oh, you're yeah. always reading. Right. Yes. I remember and I, that. I read, read very quickly. So I would go through themes of like books that I was interested in. Um, so I think I started when I was in high school, I remember reading a lot of books about um, like the media's impact on women and women, girls growing up in culture that, that's I'm trying to like remember like the titles of books that I read, but I don't. But it was, just, it was th- those themes about a lot about eating disorders and a lot about just the the way that women in particular and children are affected by grow, growing up in the culture that we do, and that really sparked my interest in just understanding how women work and wanting to undo some of that. Mm. So like diet culture, basically. I, I didn't know that's what it was called. Right. I think I only learned that 15 years later, and I was like, right. Yeah. Right. But that, I was going to say yeah. you were like a little bit before your time because that's like now, now all <laughs> right, like all over the media, but you like were already picking up on that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, that's yeah. really where my head was at. What was, so I, I know we were talking about this before we started um, recording, but what, how did you hear about intuitive eating or how did that come into your life? I'm trying to remember the first time I heard that term. Um, I read a lot of books, I think also as I was going through like a food, like understanding, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting obviously all the names of the books, but there's a book called Mindless Eating. There's a book, um, Salt, Sugar, Fat, is that what it's called? Like all the books. Salt, Sugar, Acid, Fat, that one? There's a a few of them with similar names, just books about um, like the way that, um, what's put into food to make us addicted to them, Mm -hmm. those types of books. And I was just, Mm -hmm. and I- forgive the pun, devoured them, just was so fascinated by um, what was happening. So I think I, I had a framework for what was happening before I learned that term. But I think I learned the term intuitive eating as an adult, probably in the last five years, six, seven years, something like that, I would say. 
was was like did you struggle with your relationship to food and your body image and stuff or this was more like educational like you were fascinated by the topic I think I a combination I think I I don't have any unusual struggles in in body image or something like an eating disorder um but I I think just in like a, in a standard way of comparison and um yeah, just being unhappy because like the messages that I was getting from the media and just the, the implicit, the like the covert messages that I was getting about what, what beauty looks like, it was more like just, it was subtle. So I think it was both educational and recognizing my own, that this is happening in me also. This isn't just, oh, this happens to other people. This is also me. Right. So it was, it was like, like you internalized it and you didn't realize even. Yes. Internalized right. and I didn't realize it, yes. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel very fortunate that I be, even began on this journey as a, as a kid, because by the right. time I got, you know, just working deep in this field, knee deep in this field and working with women and so much about body images, so much about what beauty is. It's just like, oh, my, like I have so much that was just primed in me from, you know, from, from so many years ago, but how to, right. how to navigate this. So I think right. what I learned about intuitive eating, it was like, click, like it just all clicked into place. Mm -hmm. It's like this, this makes sense. Right, right. So you, like, were you just like doing research um, on like body image or, or diet culture and you stumbled upon it or like a colleague told you about it? Like, how did you, how did you find it? I think the first time I really remember thinking, like uh, understanding that to, to be mindful when eating is a choice. It's not like a thing that doesn't happen. I just remember when I was um, little, probably like eight or nine, my mother took me to get tested for lactose intolerance because every time I would eat macaroni and cheese, I would get sick. Mm -hmm. But later, after like a couple of doctors later, she realized that I was just eating so much of it because I just mm -hmm. loved it and like right. could, could probably not like eat an entire pot of macaroni and cheese just because I love it. Right. And like, it's delicious. Yeah. Have no, it's amazing. And it just right. makes me spring such joy in my life. Um, right. But like that idea of being intuitive would have, like, it was just not, was just not there. Um, so the first time I really remember just hearing that that is something you could, like, that's an active thing you can do um, is, was I was reading a book by Janine Roth. Yeah, it's called Women, Food, and God. I remember nothing from that book um, other than just her describing the, and it's about the spiritual this connection I think between not as a spiritual connection, but like the the relationship people have with whatever experience they have of a god or a higher power and food and the way it ties intrinsically with women. So I'm not recommending because I don't remember what it was about. Oh. So it may or may not be quality material. Okay. Um, but but so there, she just she does describe a a process. It's like a ten step process for eating and like getting in line with your food mm -hmm. it was probably about weight loss right maybe that's, maybe that one, I don't remember most books are yeah <laughs> most books are yeah um but really just, just talked about just all just all like the basic things about eating mindfully and slowing down and smelling it and listening the difference between your head and your stomach and how mm -hmm. most people listen to their their tongues our tongue cells went to stop when we want to feel like we want to die right and our if you listen to your actual stomach you know much earlier and I remember trying it and my mind was just blown that it was just such a different experience because my mouth was like eat more right, my stomach right. was like I'm good I'm satiated right right and, and I would love to say why yes I have done that forever and ever since but obviously that's not I mean, right. nothing so linear right um, exactly that, yeah 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 I will just really say that, yeah just because you said that for for listeners I really do believe that most people think that that is intuitive eating they think like okay, now I'm intuitive. And like, every time I eat, I'm going to be like, am I hungry? Am I full? Does it satisfy me? And I'm like, 
Oh goodness. Like that's like, that's like, <laughs> that's like a snapshot of our session. Right. But like in reality, your kid's screaming, the milk is spilled. You just got home from work. Uh, your head's hurting and you're starving because you didn't eat all day. Your self-care is lacking. You didn't sleep the night before and there's chocolate cake on the table. So like, all, and, oh my you gosh, know. you were describing my, like you are in my head. That right. has happened to me. Right. So exactly. Right. Right. right, right, exactly. So I think that that's the, that's like the nuance part. And that's like the realism, like the humanness of this when all. you say like, I deserve it in an angry voice, like I deserve this cake. Like right. that's right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Look right. Down here. Also, like another really cool thing about intuitive eating is that like, I mean, I don't know, have you ever heard Evelyn Tripoli talk, the one of the authors of intuitive eating? She's so like, she's just like a, like a very special person. And like, she's, I, I took the training with her and like, I still listen to her recordings. Um, and she, she's just so gentle. Like, she's like, okay, you binge, like you felt out of control. Like what, what could you learn from that? Like, what could we glean from that? Or like, what, could, what do we know better for next time? You know, like, so like gentle as opposed to like, ugh, you binge again, like, I, like blame and shame and it's so heavy and it's so like not motivating at all in any right, way, totally not. you know? Right. I just started pouring right outside my window. I don't know if it's like bottoms oh, the audio great. at all. Okay. No, great. it's great. Um, yeah. And I think also one thing that I remember having a, I don't know when it was, but there was a very clear light bulb moment that you can either do fun things with your life or you can um, think about food. Like you, you can't do both. Like meaning like you can either um, be in pictures and go to the beach and jump out of airplanes and ride horse, like all the other fun things, like trap, like all the things that I want to do with my life. Or I can be thinking about how I look and how I compare and what do I feeling fat and looking, it just, I just remember thinking like you can either do this or you can do that. And I don't want to do that. I do not want to be, I'm spending my life um, thinking about my body because I just, right. I just, I, there's so many other things that I want to do with my life and you you can't do both. Right. So I think that was the most powerful um, takeaway, I guess, just of my intuitive eating journey so far, which is just pick one. Right. And That's I picked great. the one that involves cake and jumping out of planes. Well, did you jump out of a plane? I did. Oh, did you really? I did. It was, I did. It was, okay. It was a lot of fun, but it also made me really nauseous. Yeah, because um, you go up in a, this tiny little plane, right? And so that made me nauseous, but the actual jumping down was amazing. Okay, so detour for a second. Why did you decide to jump out of the plane? <laughs> because I can, really, right. is the answer to the question. So it was really, I mean, the the how I ended up going ahead. Someone that I was working with, someone that I was mentoring, um, had reached a milestone in her own recovery, and I was like, "What do you want to do?" She's like, "I want to jump out of a plane." I was like, "Amazing!" I think I thought maybe even something that I had suggested, like. What do you want to do? Do you want to go shopping? Do you want to jump out of plane? She was like that one, and she's like, "Will you come with me?" And I was like, mm. "It's like, do I really want to spend the money on this? Like, this is not a cheap activity. Do I really want? Like, yeah, no, I do. Like, this is a thing I want to do in my life." So it was, it was, it was a money thing. You weren't like afraid of like going up in a plane and no. jumping out of it. I don't know. Okay, fine. No, I'm afraid of needles. I'm not afraid of jumping out of planes. <sighs> Okay, that's normal. I'm like afraid of everything. Like my husband always makes fun of me that like I'm literally afraid of all things. So yeah, that's pretty scary. But I would do that. I would do that. Like it would be, it's okay. probably super exhilarating if you want to go with me. Yeah, I'd be happy to go with you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Okay, so let's go back to intuitive eating. So um, so basically, do you use that? Like, do you feel like you use that in your in in your practice? Like, are you, do you feel like it's something like the principles come up when you're working with women? All the time. 
there are so many things that don't start out about food or about body image, but end up becoming about or taking a detour into food and body image and, and the way we feel. And it, yeah, it's something that I bring up. Um, you know, I have to like restrain myself from like, here's intuitive eating. It's amazing. Watch all these videos, right, read right. all these books, speak to right, all these right, people. Right, so it just, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Actually, I find myself saying that a lot when like, when like a, a client saying something or even like a, a potential client, I'm like, did you read the book? Like, there's so much in there, you know, but like, and it's also, it's actually interesting also to note that like, so many people feel shame about it. They're like, how do you read? Like, how do you have time to read? Like, how do you get yourself to read a book like that? And I'm like, right. Some people don't like to read. Some people want me to tell them in session, you know, and I feel like I'm a broken record repeating myself over and over again, but they actually need that. They actually need me to repeat myself. And also like, I read the book and I talk about it all the time. So I'm familiar with it, but like, remembering that like it's okay to learn in a different way or to experience right. something in a different way and I think it's so cool that you have a podcast where you can talk about the same thing with different angles every right. time you do this right which is right. really amazing right. yeah so well, it is something that comes up frequently um and it comes up um oftentimes just everywhere it comes up when we're talking about dating it, talks, it comes up shell and bias it comes up children just everywhere work are there ways that it comes up that like surprise you like oh I didn't see that one coming or like 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 for me I see like I I I feel like really comfortable like people talk a lot about like marital intimacy right and I was like I like in the beginning I was like I don't know like obviously I'm not trained at, at all but like as it started coming up more and more in sessions I'm like yeah this makes sense like this makes so much sense that this would be like such a big overlap you know like they should feel comfortable to talk to someone about that you know yeah, it certainly comes up um, in intimacy. It certainly comes up um, in um, the relationship. I think I would need like a whole another podcast to like explain, but just like in the relationship with the self, and in, in particular, um, especially if we're coming from a culture where a person is not gets married and they're not they don't have a, a experience of intimacy um, in a real way. They don't have necessarily an experience of like you know just being under even by themselves. How many women in our community just don't don't actually know what their bodies fully look like because they've just never right. been fully like they just it just isn't so I think it comes up like a whole lot with yeah. the when I say the intimate relationship with the self I don't I, I mean in like a, just getting to know a person a self in a whole different way um, a physical intimacy with another person is just one element of that yeah so that is a way um, that it surprised me that I was like this shouldn't surprise me right right I think yeah it's because confidence is everywhere Right, right. Or like I interviewed um, a therapist and we were talking about the relationship between like, let's say feeling like you're addicted to food or feeling like you're out of control with money. And actually Janine, Janine Roth wrote a book about that also, I think. Did she? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Cause she lost, I'm pretty sure she's the one that like lost all her money to Madoff and she writes mm. a book about it. And like, maybe the, I don't remember cause I, I actually didn't, didn't finish it. Cause like I wasn't super interested in the book, <laughs> but like somebody, somebody recommended it. And like, usually like, if I can't finish a book, I just stop reading it. I'm not like forcing myself to read it. That's an intuitive thing, but. Can I, can I take a detour? Can I just tell you about that for a second? Yes, that is yes. something I learned as an adult that you can, if you don't want to finish reading a book, you don't have to, you don't, you yes, can just stop yes. and page 147 and there's a hundred more pages. And like, that is a thing. Like it just, why would, it's like saying like, like stopping a movie halfway through, like, why, yeah. why would you do that? Right. But you can. It turns out you just can. Yeah. It turns out that you just can. Well, it's actually really funny because like a lot. So going back to this, I, a lot of people are always like, 
you read that book? Like, how? How did you read it? I'm like, what do you mean? Shabbos afternoon, I spent four hours. I just read such a good book this year called Group. It's not like super appropriate, but it was a really good book. Did you did you read it? I've heard of it. It's on my list of books to read. So I read it in one Shabbos, like in literally one Shabbos. And I realized that like, I happen to like, I really like educational books. Like, um, like I love to read like psychology books, but like sometimes they get really boring, you know? So like on the one hand, like you want to have the knowledge, but on the other hand, like it can be really boring. So I like those books that are like, there's some education in there, but there's like storytelling who doesn't like storytelling, you know? So like, I took out all these books from the, from the library and I'm like, I can't read it. Like it's too boring. Yeah, so I think that that is the answer to the question, how do you read? Either you want to read or you don't want to, or right. reading is the medium with a book, or it's listening to audio books or podcasts or whatever it is. I think, yeah, if your person wants to, they, there are ways to figure out. I know someone, I have a client, the only time she reads is when she's on the toilet, because that's the only time she gets any privacy or space for quiet. Sense. So she, yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, you do you like that. Yeah. Yeah. If that that works. Sense. It works. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually, actually, as a side note, uh, another detour, like I happen to love listening to audiobooks, which is really, really funny because I, so I used to commute to Brooklyn and I like hated it. It was horrible, but the whole thing was horrible. But I started going to the library for to get shop books for shops, whatever. Then I'm like audiobooks. And I started listening to audiobooks in the car. And I was telling my dad and he's like, yeah, I've been listening to audiobooks. Like it's a genetic thing. Like he listens to audiobooks. What? I listen to audiobooks. Yeah. And then I realized just for the listeners, which I mentioned this a lot of times, the, there's something called the Libby app and it's a free app from your library. You just plug in your library card and you could listen to audiobooks through the, the Libby app. And I like, I'm not such a, I, I do like to read, but I'm not like, I much prefer to listen. Like when I do the dishes or like when I go bike riding in the car and I consumed so many books and podcast and content because I love to listen I I I, like the gift I bought myself this year was like a bluetooth and like my kids are around and I'm like "Uh uh uh-huh listening (laughs) as I'm doing the dishes like I can multitask but it's just I love it Zig Ziglar the motivational speaker author um he has a saying that he's the car hold on I forget what it's gonna be I completely I'm like totally blank on the phrase I was so excited to tell you this um take your time <laughs> uh, I don't remember what it's called, but he has a, a phrase for like your time in the car or commuting is like essentially like car university, meaning you can learn anything you want to learn for okay. free or almost free. Yeah. Which is so cool. And it's funny that you say that audiobooks is genetic, that just my husband loves audiobooks, his mother loves audiobooks. Yeah. I do not like audiobooks. See? No one in my family likes audiobooks. Right. So I was not aware about the audiobooks gene. Yeah. And I also, I also think like when people are like, oh, I can't listen to a book. I'm like, why not? Like, just listen to it. It's so much better. They're like, no, I'd rather like, like I have a friend who like, she likes quiet. Like she's like, she's like, yeah, just like no music, no nothing. I'm like, what? Like literally, I don't know. Maybe it's like a problem with me, but like when I'm in the car and I'm just like driving, I'm like one minute and I'm like, I need, I need to hear music or listen to something. Like that's just the way my brain works. Actually, I actually do think I have some form of ADD. Like I was never like a good student and um, like my brain just works. Like, I don't know. Like I, I listen to my audiobooks on double speed. Like I could listen and listen and listen all day, but like, for, like maybe that's why school was hard for me. Cause like teachers talk. So <laughs> they only talk on one speed or like 0.75. Um, right. That is something I learned also this year. That was one of my COVID discoveries. You can listen to YouTube videos and Spotify 
on you can choose the speed, which has been a game changer because yes. So I think that people can't listen either need to be with music either because they need some sort of other just external stimulation to yeah. do, they can do whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. And some people just can't be alone with their thoughts. So that's I'm not suggesting one is you or the other, but that's like the, or, or, or both, right? All I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm definitely both, is. but I also have a lot of thoughts. So like, <laughs> so yeah, right. it's a lot. Um, yeah. Okay, so tell us like a little bit more about your, how intuitive eating has changed your life or changed the way that you think about your body, yourself, your eating. It's entirely um, given a new frame of how I think about the voice in my head and the voices wow. in our heads. Because we're, we're so, especially as professionals, yeah. especially, oh my gosh, those of us who are in the helping field are so good at being so gentle and so compassionate with other people. And when they binge eat again, we're like, okay, like, so, so you did it. So, right. but with ourselves, we have a much harsher voice in our own heads. And this is true about everyone. And just because, so I know so many people in the helping women in the helping field, it's just rampant. So I think the intuitive eating, the voice, learning to just retool the voice in my head that talks to me about what I look like and what I should look like and what I eat and what I should eat, um, it's just become a much more gentle experience. So that's anytime when, it, so not anytime, my goal is that right when I mess up or I don't achieve my own standards in other parts of my life, that it's the same, okay, right. I'll try again. Like, right. That's just right. much, much less harsh an experience. And I think that I, I really, um, I have a three-year-old daughter and I'm very, was like, this is something that we're doing, like from the beginning, intuitive, it's going to be intuitive eating, division of responsibility, like this is, and my husband, who I'd never heard of any of these things, was like, okay, like whatever, this seems like something you're passionate about, like you go right ahead. Um, and I will never forget, so when my daughter was two, it was last year Pesach, so she was only two years old, um, and I've been doing right, putting everything on the plate, and she, she, if there's dessert, to put it just together with. So it was on Pesach last year, so COVID Pesach, so there's no one, no one else around. Um, she, I put everything on the plate, and she grabbed the macaroon because that was the closest thing we had to dessert. Um, and then she put it back, like it was her instinct to like get that, and then, like she put it back to like pick up her cucumbers or whatever it was, and and I saw it happen in slow motion, which was pretty cool. And Very just cool. to be able to see that um, like fall into place, it was like that, like I did it. Like that was mm -hmm. able to see just that, how I've changed the the generational narrative mm -hmm. um, was just like an, like an unbelievable thing to just see that in real time with someone who was so young. Yeah. So that's something that's been, like, that's just the way that I see it reverberate in my life. It's not just me, it's the way that I am treating the people around me and the way that my family is growing up. Right. Wow. Yeah. It, it's, it, I mean, every, a lot of people say this, but like intuitive eating spills over into intuitive li living. So the 10 principles can be applied to like, like I, I probably said this before on the podcast, but like when I was doing intuitive eating and learning the principles, I remember thinking like, can I make peace with money? Like, cause I was also struggling. I'm an underspender, like majorly underspender, like really struggle with that. So I was like, could I make peace with like unconditional spending, not like spending all of our money, but like like it was hard for me to buy things that we needed, you know, like I would hem and haw, check every single price, like, you know, and that's like, right. to an extent, like obsessive, you know? So like, I remember thinking like, wow, I'm going to really try this. And it was really, really, really hard. Like it was really challenging, but it was also like super liberating to like get to the other side, you know? So like, wow. yeah. So I say that all the time. And like, like you, like you were saying before about like the sleep a little bit, like the holistic approach, like 
like there's 10 principles of intuitive eating. Nutrition is one of them and exercise is one of them, but like the, like health and wellness and a person's well-being is like such a big picture. Like there's so many components and there's, you can't really separate, you know, a person into like one component. It doesn't work like that. Right. And the fact they've done a lot of research on um, how when a person starts to change one habit, suddenly their whole life is just uplifted and there's just other habits just, they start changing without even really thinking about them because once you start, shifting one area the momentum and the excitement about what you're doing really just just spills over to other areas and and just life gets better right I guess it's also like you notice like the common themes in your life or the common struggles in your life so like when you find almost like something that helps you in one area a lot of times it will help you in another area you could learn to like apply that yes absolutely yeah so um is there anything else you want to like leave the listeners with? I kind of want to hear a little bit more about your practice. Like if there's, if there's like something that like a common theme that you see or something that even maybe you could give us as women tips as women to like care for ourselves. Absolutely. So like I said, just in the, my focus in the private practice is maternal mental health. So I've done a lot of training on just what that means and how, how it is. I think that just, you know, one thing is really wonderful that there is beginning to be much more education and much more awareness of how something like postpartum psychosis is much more common than than we think. Postpartum depression and anxiety, which take a lot of different forms, um, uh, you know, stillbirth, miscarriage, infertility, so many different reproductive anomalies. There's just, there's so many things. Um, And I think it's, it's not, it's becoming more common in the Jewish community. I think that the it, it's about 15 to 18% of, of Jewish couples are dealing with infertility, dealing with perinatal health, you know, mental health. Wow. So it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a pretty big section of people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I've learned is just, just women are so um, extraordinarily strong and fragile at the same time. And there are so many things that, that, you know, the ways in which people are tested and so many challenges in which people are given and, and the capacity to work down what you just said. Sorry. and to overcome is just really, it just, it blows my mind every time I think about it. It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. But it's, it's actually interesting though, because like one of my like main points on the podcast is like self-care, right? But not like the like annoying, like I want to throw up if I hear the words self-care again. <laughs> Like that, that type of self-care, but like really like, like self-parenting, self-love, but like, like you were talking about before, like knowing yourself, like understanding like what your needs are and meeting those needs, like on such a deep level, like like, making self-care plans or like listening to what our instincts are saying no, when we need to say no, not people pleasing. And like, um, we are really strong. Right. But like part of our strength is also, I, I believe is like saying like, that's too much for me. I can't do that. I think people really need to hear that and like hear that over and over again, because I feel like there is this notion in our community that like, I could do anything. I could make Pesach. (laughs) Pesach is traumatic for me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, it's really, you know, like it's like, we are strong, but like part of our strength is to say like, I, I'm not able to do that and that's okay. I'm really glad you said that because I think that I need to define the word strong, which is something that I also, just we need to define the word strong. Strong does not mean capacity to handle anything without getting bothered, without crying, without having any feelings. It means the capacity to be, the capacity to sit with difficult emotions, the capacity to live through unimaginable pain, 
the capacity to just exist and to, on one hand, while you know mourning a miscarriage that's in the middle of happening, to be able to cook a meal for a friend who just had a baby or to dance with wait, dance with a sip. But what strong doesn't mean capacity to do and do and do. It means mm. capacity just to live with and to deal with huge, huge, huge challenges. Well, and I would just say that also like, like what you're doing is extremely strong because like you're voluntarily sitting with other people in that unimaginable pain. And that's really, really challenging. It can be. And that's really about having my own network and of people that I can rely on and people that I can, my own boundaries and ways to take care of myself. It doesn't, that you know, the cup that the gas meter also right now gets low. So there has to be ways to, um, to fill up or to fill up ourselves. So I think that I'm going to echo what you're saying about um, self-care and that it does not mean, I mean, listen, if a person likes bubble bath, call out a vote, but it doesn't mean bubble bath. I like bubble bath. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. But that's not what self-care means. It's one fraction of an element of what self-care really means. And it's self-care right. means, I think I read an article on self-care means like making your bed sometimes. Right. And it means right. like having hard conversations and it means right. doing things right. you don't want to do. So true. It's so true. I'm just and thinking also like, and also about that. But you're like, I don't know, we could go in so many directions with this episode, but I'm just thinking like, like today, like just, just cause today's today. Um, like I was like sitting down and I think I only had one client during the day and my the other days I'm busy like busier with like actual clients. I was like, okay, today I'll do some content creation. I'll like post on Instagram. I was just like, so sad about what happened to my own. And like, that's not just the only sad thing that happened. Like there's been so many tragedies. And I was thinking like, I need to post, you know, like the algorithm. That was the thought in my head. And I was like, no, I really don't need to post. Like, I really need to leave my house right now. And I was like, the voice in my head is telling me like you should be working but I was like I'm actually gonna go for a bike ride and I'm gonna listen to like a really sad podcast and it was really 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 good and moving and it matched my mood you know like I wasn't like I don't want to listen to like upbeat music I need to be like in this feeling and like it didn't like I still yelled at my kids in the afternoon and I still had a hard time you know like I was still having a hard time but I was thinking like I was drawing from that like that those moments where I was actually able to like listen to myself and yeah I didn't listen to myself the whole day like there were times where I was like going crazy you know like I just want to say that like there were still some really hard moments in the afternoon but like I felt like that was like real self-care like like even like the, the thoughts in my head are like really you're gonna go for a bike ride on a Monday afternoon like you should really be working and I'm like yeah but this is like I'm able to do this right now so I'm gonna do it and I did it <laughs> and I was really happy and it is it is part of your work. I think it's yeah. part of your work to of, of life, not just your work of 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 income, of career. And I think it, it takes incredible strength of mind and of and of presence for you to be able to say that on a podcast that's being recorded where you're gonna now put this on the internet, you know, right. and to be able to say all these things that I yelled at my kids and I didn't do so well here, but I did well here to be able to really have that perspective is that is also uh, some pretty impressive strength. Right. Right. And since we're talking about that, I'll just say that I took Sima Spetner's parenting class, which was like incredible. I probably said that also. And like, mm -hmm. I, I actually, you could pay a certain amount of money and like do unlimited email, emailing. Right. So, so I'm sending her questions about my kids, whatever. And she's like, wow, you are so hard on yourself. Like that was like the first email, like the, our first email string. And I was like, wow, like this woman doesn't know me from, from a hole in the wall. Like I just took her course and emailed her and I'm like, exactly what you just said before like I didn't notice like I don't notice how hard I am on myself like right. until until you said that or like 
whatever. It was just very eye-opening. Like she says, like, she, just so, because it was so powerful to me. So I'm just going to share it here. She says, like, part of life is fail and fix, fail and fix, fail and fix. And the only time that you really mess up, like, is when you give up for good. So like, if you, like, if you screamed at your kids at four o'clock, you have 4.15 and 4.30 and 4.45 and five. And I did have all those extra, you know what? I was really overwhelmed. I was hiding in my room for a little and I took them to the library. So like, it was really hard. It was really challenging, but like the more that we like, you know, stay in that guilt or shame or whatever it is, like we're in such a worse place. Like we have to like, like almost like be like, I don't know. I was, I'm thinking about like sitting in other people's pain, but we have to like sit in our own pain, like sit in our own feelings and be like, yeah, that was painful. And like, now I'm going to move past it, you know? And I think in general with, with positive and negative, one does not negate the other, right? You yelled at your kids and they felt sad or however they felt. Um, and also you were a great mom and took them to the library. So that they don't, they don't negate each other. It doesn't cancel right. each other out. They're both right. part of the experience. And I also you know, want to say this just because I know that you've shared about your mom you've written about her and you've spoken about her before that we also hold ourselves up to our role models and your mom right. was an extraordinary woman yeah um so like it, you know it's in there is there's just so much in there just with our role models and how we see ourselves and that voice in our head and and who we have to turn to who we no longer have to turn to right it's a lot of stuff that we could talk for forever about. yeah right and also like the fact that you said like um like i think you said like clinicians or or helping professionals right like we we are able to like give someone else compassion but then we have like such a strong like negative self-talk in our head and I was I was just thinking I heard like a few years ago I heard somebody talking about like the fear of success I think it was Bariana on her podcast and I was thinking like what is she talking about like what's there to be afraid of you know and like uh, like I had this moment a little bit like before Pesach like I was like I worked really really hard on building building my business and like there were moments where I was like like I'm done. Like I like it's really hard to get clients. Everybody wants weight loss. I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't go to school to be a businesswoman, you know, like just really wanted to give up. And like now, like when people reach out to me, I'm like, I have like almost like anxiety. Like, why are they called like that imposter syndrome? And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Like you think like you like you look at someone else who you feel is like more successful than you, you know, like five years ahead of you or whatever. And you're like, what are they talking about? You know, but like it really, it really does get hard. Like it really, we, we see ourselves in such a different light. Like you think like that wouldn't be an issue. Like I'm, I'm doing exactly what I want to do, but like sometimes that voice gets even stronger, like that negative voice, you know? Yeah. So cool. Our heads are so cool. Yeah, they are really cool. Um, so are you taking new clients? Yes. Um, I'm taking new clients. I can be reached. My email address is s counseling at gmail.com. Like there's like notes or whatever, I can give that to you. Um, yeah, if you reach for a lot of different things, consultation, um, sessions. Awesome. Oh, okay. let's talk. Let's talk. Yeah. And I'll send me your book suggestions. You know, Andy, yeah. happy to get book suggestions anyone. But yeah, you know, oh, yeah, feel free to reach sure. out. Book club. We can start uh, another reach. book club. Yeah, um, <laughs> so many book clubs. There's not okay, so I'm going to put all of that information in the show notes and then hopefully people will reach out. Thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us. It's been such a pleasure to be here. Um, thank you so much for having me, Gila. I'm a big fan of yours. And I yeah. can't wait to see everything that you're going to continue to do because you deserve success in all the ways. Wow. I mean, thank you so much. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.